Hello and welcome to Embodied Astrology. My name is Renee Sills. I'm a consulting astrologer, astrology teacher, and somatic educator. I'm interested in the ways astrology helps expand conversations around embodiment, art, process, politics, and more. I'm recording this introduction on June 14th, 2022, and it's a full moon in Sagittarius. Sagittarius is a sign of seeking, big picture philosophies, teachers, teachings, and astrology. This full moon is square with Neptune and sextile to Saturn, inviting us to come together to share knowledge, build community, and imagine and dream into possibilities for the far-off future. In today's episode, I'm talking with Kira Taborn. Kira is an astrologer, educator, and creative consultant who is passionate about facilitating accessible astrological education, programming, and community within the field. She's the founder of the 11th House, which is both a community for astrology enthusiasts to connect and a platform for emerging astrologers to share work they're passionate about. She teaches workshops about synthesizing traditional astrology techniques, hosts a podcast called The Astrology Show, and is the co-founder of the love-focused horoscope and compatibility app, CUSP. In our conversation, Kira and I talk about multidisciplinary paths in astrology, generational astrology, millennial signatures as emo forever tenders of the apocalypse, the history and current queering of astrology, and Saturn returns, amongst other things. To learn more about Kira and her astrology offerings, check the show notes and please visit theastrology.com and follow Kira on Instagram at theastrology. I hope you enjoyed this episode and conversation as much as I did. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so much for joining me here, Kira. Um, I'm such a fan of your work. I've been following you for a couple of years now, and I loved Influx when you were doing that, the astrology magazine that you started. And I'm a huge fan of your podcast, The Astrology Show. Um, I started listening to it and like, I think I binge watched like three or binge listened three or four <laughs> episodes a week for a while. And yeah, I just wanted to tell you how much excitement I've had for the work that you do and how much I appreciate the ways that you center young astrologers and especially queer and BIPOC astrologers. And I feel like there were so many years that I was longing and like so hungry for voices who could describe astrology outside of the like mostly white, mostly male, mostly European viewpoint. So mm -hmm. thank you. Thanks for being thank you, you and thanks for being here. <laughs> That's so sweet. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I wonder uh, how you got here, actually. And before I get into all the other questions I have for you, um, I was wondering if you could fill me in and fill the listeners in on your background. And I'm particularly interested in your synthesis. And I know that you're a being of many gifts and talents. You're an artist, a writer, a designer, a community organizer, an events planner, along with being an astrologer and a podcast host. So yeah, I'm just curious about your different interests and pursuits and how and where they've come together to bring you into this moment of your incarnation. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Where do I begin? <laughs> um, I, well, you mentioned like, yeah, I, I, um, have done a lot of things in terms of just like different, different like mediums to, you know, to express myself through, I guess. So, um, I've always been into art. I guess I was like a really creative kid and was always into art. Um, I, 
ended up going to art school for college. I went to school of visual arts, excuse me, in New York. Um, and I majored in photography there. And yeah, I kind of knew early on that I wasn't going to pursue photography. <laughs> um, it just kind of, I realized, yeah, I think early on, I realized like, okay, I have, I am skilled at this, but I have other skills that would help me, um, you know, gain, gain a career within the photography world or industry that, that wasn't just me like making my own work. And I think part of it was just like, a lot of it honestly was seeing my peers and how, you know, great they were at what they were doing and kind of being like, I don't really want to compete with these people. Like I'd rather find opportunities for them. So, um, yeah, I did. That was like kind of my early twenties. And that was when I not discovered astrology because I've been into astrology since I was a kid. Um, I was always, I was like a birthday person. I just knew everyone's birthday, just this weird thing about me. <laughs> um, I just knew, I remembered like back then I remember birthdays. Now I remember birth charts, but I used to, like, I knew, I know my first grade teacher's son's birthday. Like I remember kids from pre-K's birthday, like stuff like that. Um, I had a lot of Scorpio friends in pre-K, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so that was kind of happening in the background, but um, nine years ago in 2012, um, Saturn entered Scorpio, I think for the first time then. And that was my, that is my ninth house. Um, so my Saturn square started then my, my um, closing Saturn square, which happens around the time of 21 and astrology. Like I, I had a Scorpio friend actually, who was like, did you know, I think we were hanging out for her birthday. So almost exactly nine years ago. Um, cause her birthday was two days ago. And she's like, did you know that there were, um, that there's like moon signs and, and rising signs and like other signs. And she didn't really know what she was talking about, but I was really intrigued. Um, and so she had a book and she showed me like, you know, I guess this is my, my moon sign and this is my rising sign. And that really intrigued me. And then shortly after that, I was home at my, um, parents' house, like home for winter vacation or whatever during college. And I remember being in the living room, Googling birth chart, um, and like typing in my information and just like my mind being blown, seeing my chart for the first time. And, um, I just didn't sleep that night. I just kept <laughs> researching and like, I went through every single birth chart generator on the internet. I think that night, um, just read all the reports and it, I just was fascinated immediately. Um, so yeah, that was, that was happening kind of during college and I quickly became like the, the girl at parties who was just reading people's charts, you know, and that wasn't a thing back then. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, it just wasn't a thing. No one really knew what the hell I was doing <laughs> or what I was talking about, but they were interested. Um, and then fast forward, I, um, graduated college and started working in like the creative field, I was working for um, basically in advertising most of the time, both advertising and then also um, like stock photography. I was working for like agencies that um, that syndicated uh, photography and, and video. So I was doing a lot of that. 
And, um, you know, working in advertising just will suck your soul. It really will, Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially, um, at a huge, I was at a pretty big agency and, um, yeah, what's interesting about that is that I was at this agency and they have, you know, Slack, which a lot of big or a lot of companies in general, I even have Slack for, (laughs) for me and my tiny team, but basically, um, I made a Slack channel called astrology and, um, I would just kind of post things every now and then about, you know, just the astrology of the day and, um, people, a lot of people joined it and people from like all over the world in terms of like, you know, we had offices in in different parts of the world were, um, reading what I was writing in that channel. And like, people were kind of bothering me to write more. And I'm like, I'm working. This isn't, (laughs) this isn't, um, my job, but, but anyway, that kind of gave me confidence that I, you know, could do this, I guess. Um, and then work just kind of kept getting worse and worse and eventually I quit. Um, and I was just like, I had to find a way to work for myself. And so I did work, at another, I worked at Adobe for about a year and a half, but it was a contract job. So I knew it was going to end after about 18 months. And so I just kind of told myself like, that's when you're going to go full time. Um, and I did, I did went full time. It happened to be March 1st of 2020. Um, oh, wow. but <laughs> yeah, it just happened to line up with the pandemic, but, um, it's been working out and, um, yeah, just last year I, kind of, did, I've kind of always been, I just do a lot, I guess. Um, cause mm-hmm. even before I quit and before I went full-time, I was, um, I had, I was just doing a lot. I had already started read, readings and writing and, um, I wrote a small book about Pisces and, um, just kind of gaining more notoriety, notoriety then. And then I also was, um, hosting or, organizing, uh, monthly meetups in New York city for astrologers. And that was really great. And I really missed that a lot. So I did that for about two years and yeah, I've just been, you know, I just like making friends, especially with astrologers. So I have a lot of astrologer friends, um, and I find them all to be pretty brilliant. So I just really like, um, you know, giving them platforms, like the kind of like the work I do is to give platforms for other astrologers to, to share their brilliance. Um, so yeah, that's, I guess a a kind of summation of everything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. Um, when I was reaching out to you, one of the things that I was thinking I wanted to talk to you about was just how you kind of hold your art practice now, because, you know, I love your aesthetic. You have a great design sense. And I know you do a lot of your own design, but because <laughs> um, here and there, but um, I come from an arts background too. And uh, one of one of the things I studied is social practice. And a lot of how I like conceive of my own creative practice is in bringing people together and cultivating spaces for relationship. And um yeah, I've been so appreciative of how you do that and how you create these really generous and very expansive spaces for conversation to happen. And um, it feels very creative and enlivening when I tune in with that. And I was wondering if you um, kind of kept your artist identity now in your work as an astrologer and platform producer and coordinator and stuff if that's if that's actually part of how you think about this community work that you do 
Yeah. It's funny you say that. I think that I am claiming it more now than I ever did. <laughs> um, even when I was like, you know, in art school and, and working in the industry, because I've always been pretty like, um, not maybe not always, but since I kind of went to art school and kind of, I think became like the fantasy of be being like a, an artist kind of died very, very quickly for me. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so I have, I have always been like, I'm not an artist. Like I, you know, I don't make art. I'm not doing anything. I don't, I don't shoot. I do shoot. I just only shoot on my iPhone. Like that's my only, that's the only care, camera I carry with me. Um, so I always felt really self-conscious about claiming the title of a photographer or an artist, even if I'm like kind of good at it. So, um, but now I kind of switched to just calling myself a creative because um, that resonates more with me. Cause I, I do feel like I'm very creative and I do think the work that I do is, is very, it feels creative to me. Um, it's just on a larger scale than, you know, the, the hands-on making and doing. Um, and yeah, I do do, I kind of do my own design work. I've had um, help, I've had design help <laughs> and I've kind of expanded on um, what certain designers have like created for me brand wise, but yeah, I'm kind of always in a constant process of rebranding. I'm never satisfied. I'm working with a new designer now. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you on that. And I really resonate with what you shared about like being in art school and not resonating with the kind of like institution around art as a career and how it produces competition between artists and I mean, exists within capitalism and so it gets really fucked up and um, also like, I also had an experience of going to art school and then leaving and being like, I don't want to be an artist. I'm not like, I, I don't want to try and survive in that world. Yeah. Um, and then I feel like astrology for me at least, and I am guessing maybe it's similar for you. Like it feels like such a generous invitation to live into the potential of who you can be. And it, it really feels to me like not quite uh, like a plastic art or like a tangible art, like sculpting, but kind of like that, like working with a chart and working with spirits is like, ooh, which way does this wanna go? And how can this be expressed in this way? And um, yeah, I think definitely also working in the field of relationships and thinking about how do people come together to generate knowledge um, feels like such a creative practice that I see you totally. doing. and. Yeah, I just want to like elevate you as an artist in my in my view. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I do see that like even like for instance, I did the um I was uh the director of Fresh Voices for a while and um organized two summits and I felt like the just like the getting a lineup of 12 astrologers together feels creative to me, you know, like. And I'm hoping to to organize more summits in the future because I love doing that. But but yeah, like even on my podcast guests, like figuring out who to invite on for certain episodes to like that feels like a creative process, even if it's not, like I said, like that hands-on yeah. making your curator too, and like an curator, arts educator, yeah. astrology arts educator. <laughs> <laughs> love that. 
Um, so I know that a lot of your work and podcasts and public talks that you've given have centered on millennials and astrology or um, astrology for of millennials. And yeah, as astrologers, I think most of us are generally considering generational cohorts through the outer planet transits rather than calendar years. Um, the presence of Pluto and Scorpio and Neptune and Uranus and Capricorn for me are some of those signifiers, which are all your natal placements. And I've also read some of your posts on the Saturn subgroups of millennials, um, Saturn and Scorpio through Pisces. And I'm wondering kind of how you're thinking right now about um, this group that, that you're a part of, because a lot of you are finishing up your Saturn returns, you're moving into the realm of like, adulting in the way where you get to shape culture you know I think of that as kind of post-Saturn return a lot of ways it's like we have access and skills and some amount of prior experience that gives us capacity to like shape the world and I was wondering how you are kind of envisioning the future destinies and legacies of of this group this millennial cohort that's a good question yeah, you know, I'm like in the middle of my Saturn return, um, which kind of prompted those those blog posts and this post. Um, yeah, you know, I I think we're such a special generation, millennials, and I could even like, yes, it's the the Pluto and Scorpio, Uranus, Neptune, and Capricorn signature. That's definitely like the bulk of us, but then even. I like to even think about the Uranus-Neptune conjunction from like Sag all the way through Aquarius as like this, I don't know, this kind of even like spanning um, into Gen Z as kind of like part of this, this um, I don't know, I guess mac- more macro generation <laughs> of, um, of folks who really have like these dreams for the future and kind of utopic, you know, dreams for what could be. And I think that's really important to have right now. Um, Cause I think in general, you, <laughs> millennials are a little bit um, lean, might lean pessimistic in some ways. I mean, I recently did a talk about um, millennials for Norwalk, Northwest Astrological association conference or whatever. I think that's how, I think that's what it comes out to. Um, but I really, it's kind of a rehash of a talk I did a couple of years ago on millennials. And essentially like I kind of talked about how our major signatures, um, are very malefic, right? Like we have like this Pluto and Scorpio, which is a Mars world sign. And then all this Capricorn energy, which is Saturn. Um, and not to mention like five, five to about half of the whole 12 years that Pluto was in Scorpio, um, Saturn was in domicile and Capricorn and Aquarius. So a big chunk of our, of our generation is like these kind of serious Saturnians. Um, and I think that like that second half of millennials is like a particularly important group, um, because of our, our domiciled Saturn. And, um, I think like the ability to sort of really understand, um, 
not just like like social structures and I think just like how to how to rebuild the world basically like I, I think that mm-hmm. there's that that domiciled Saturn gives us this like I don't want to say advantage but um there's just something around like being able to understand what it takes you know um and understand that it's going to take a long time and understand, you know, kind of like the holistic aspects of like world building. Um, I feel like our, that like, yeah, that second half of millennial cohort, is going to be really um, important in that process. It's not, maybe not right now, but for, for certain over the next like 10, 15 years. Um, Yeah. I, I think I think when it comes to us, I'm, it's exciting to see millennials like age at this point and not just be like, you know, one of the young ones anymore. I'm about to be 30 finally, (laughs) but, um, but it's exciting to see because I think we're like kind of like slowly edging out of like our emo phase, which I think like Gen Z is fully in right now, which happens, I think that's just a good thing that happens when you're young. Right. Um, and not, not that we're edging out of it completely because we're still Pluto and Scorpio and we're still always going to be emo in my opinion. Um, we're still always going to be the ones that are like obsessed with emo music until we're in our eighties. Right. Um, but I think that there's this like maturity happening where we, you know, are, it seems like there's a shift towards like, community care and just like taking care of ourselves because it's like yeah we see the world's kind of going to shit but like what can we do <laughs> what can we do in the meantime besides like you know take care of ourselves and each other I, I think what we're going to be remembered for and known for as a generation um amongst other things I'm sure but one I think is going to be um just our the care that we put into like understanding ourselves, like understanding the human condition and, um, like how to care for ourselves through the apocalypse, basically like those, the more intimate emotional parts of survival, I think. Um, and I mean, cause that's kind of what Scorpio is all about is like survival and, um, it's so Martian, but also I think we'll be known for um, just innovation and how we're able to like keep it going and keep and keep innovating through apocalypse. And I think part of that is that Uranus, Neptune and Capricorn signature. Cause it's like that, what is that? Um, that's just like, to me, like that's apocalyptic. <laughs> Yeah. Uranus, Neptune and Capricorn is like, there are no structures anymore. You know, like everything is dissolved. Everything's blown up. Like, what do we do with this now? Um, Which I kind of wrote about in some of the blog posts, but uh, Saturn and Capricorn one, especially like, you know, it's like using the rubble, the rubble from this, like, you know, demolished world and building something new. Um, Yeah. I'll stop rambling about that. (laughs) Yeah. No, I was following you. Um, That was great. I, I think a lot about general generational placements as um, like our superpowers and kind of like collective streams of consciousness, as well as the world shaping that's happening while our bodies are shaping and our consciousness is shaping. And 
Um, I'm not quite sure for myself where I fall in terms of the generations. I was born when Pluto had retrograded back into Libra um, and Uranus and Neptune were both in Sag. And I feel like I'm like in this funny little bridge gap between Gen X um, and the millennials. And when you said millennials, you know, will be into emo music until your 80s, I was thinking like, yeah, I'm going to be a raver till the day I die. That was like (laughs) fully a part of my formative experience. Um, But yeah, with, with Pluto and Scorpio and Neptune and, and Uranus and Capricorn, one thing that I come across a lot in, in, in millennial um, clients that I work with is people who have like really organic, intuitive connections to ancestral arts, whether that's astrology or tarot or other forms of divination or like um, some form of magical land-based tending practices, Mm -hmm. or you were mentioning care work. And, um, you know, I feel like the millennials came in into age at a time when globalization was, was merging with the virtual Mm -hmm. and like part of, I'll just put myself in your group for a second, but like part of our consciousness has been shaped around like many different perspectives starting to come into cohesion with one another and like a dissolving and disrupting of old narratives that help us to remember and reclaim um, narratives that have been erased or been forgotten or like disavowed somehow. Mm. And I, I wonder about that with your relationship with astrology and like how you feel yourself in this practice at this time. Um, do you feel a sense of connection to magic in the way that it came into your life or in the way that you practice it? Yeah, I think definitely. Um, I'm, I kind of feel, how do I even put this? Like for me, astrology was always one of those things like most other divinatory arts. Like it just always made sense to me in the sense that like, when I learned about it, I was like, yeah, like this is, this is the truth. This is real. You know, I was never a skeptic. (laughs) Um, and I totally get why people will be skeptical, you know, like that's understand, especially if you don't, you haven't like taken the time to, to learn about it, but, um, yeah, like magic, all of that never seems, it's, it's more, it would more take a lot. It would, it would take more to convince me otherwise, you know, that it's not real <laughs> than it would be to convince me that like magic is a thing. Cause to me it's, yeah, it's so, it's always just been so, um, obvious to me, I guess that like, like science is magic, you know, like those, they're kind of interchangeable to me. Um, just the fact that we're like here, that we, do all the things that we do, you know, as human beings. And like, to me, that's all magical. How do you think just like our bodies work? Like it's, it doesn't, I don't know, but um, yes, I think, especially as astrology came into my life, um, all that just became way louder. And of course I was going through a Neptune transit during that time too, Um, Neptune transiting my ascendant. And so lots of magic was happening, <laughs> um, and, you know, in my life in my, in my early twenties, especially, but, um, I, I do feel like 
yeah, astrology as a practice is so, it can be so magical because um, I always wanted to, I always say, I want to make t-shirts that say, quote, like astrology is just so real end quote. And then just say like all astrologers <laughs> ever, because I feel like that's something we all say is like, oh my all God, like, we're always so like amazed by it. Like the littlest things, like you know, you lose your keys, you just pop over the chart to kind of ask your, ask a horary, where are my keys? And you can find them like anything from that to like meeting someone. I remember when I was really early on, I met this guy. Um, he, we had the same birthday. We met on like a Scorpio full moon or Scorpio new moon. I think it was a, an eclipse actually, which was also the day of like an exact Uranus Pluto square. And I met this boy and he was so beautiful and he, we have the same birthday and like things like that, that feels just like, it just feels too magical. Like how do we meet in this like exact moment? I was supposed to go home 20 minutes ago, you know, like those type of things. Um, but you can always have those really magical you know, coincidences or meetings. And then you just look at the astrology and that just doubles up the magic on it, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, things like that, you know, it's definitely always felt very magical to me in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like um, one of the things that I think a lot of people are finding more accessible about astrology now than perhaps in the past is that it's become less formulaic and um, I grew up with astrology. My mom was an astrologer. And oh. I remember being, I mean, being really into astrology as a teen and young adult, um, but also having a lot of problems with it, like in the way that it would be prescribed. And it's like, oh, you know, you're a Taurus moon. And so you're so stubborn all the time. And like, you won't move ever or something mm -hmm. like that. And, you know, and it, it didn't really give me a lot of language to explore it through my own terms. And one thing that I've really loved kind of in the last decade or so is I feel like astrology has gone through this renaissance and more younger astrology astrologers. And then also, again, like folks who aren't coming out of that, like white European canon um, are claiming the language for themselves. And then we're also all again, like we're grown up in this context of a rapidly expanding world and forms of communication that give us lots of different information from lots of different places. And I feel like a lot of astrologers now are much more comfortable freely associating and making their own meaning around what symbols could be. Um, which to me, it seems like a great thing. It's like, yeah, this is a language that is only useful if people have the words to describe the symbols for whoever they're working with and like mm -hmm. the time and the place that they're working. Um, and yet like in the age of memes and um, you know, modes of education that are very quick and maybe not so deep um, yeah <laughs> it also feels important to to study and like to find the depth in what it is that we're doing and it's one thing that I definitely appreciate about a lot of millennials that I know is that like you said there's this profound seriousness and a desire to like root into something that feels like ancestry in some way or lineage mm -hmm. in some way and then also an ease in 
changing it and like adapting it and formulating new language. And yeah, I was just wondering if you would share it all, like where you feel like you root in your practice and, and also what's feeding you, like, like who are your elders in this practice and what nourishes you there? And then also like, who's your kin and who's around and like pollinating with you? Yeah. I love that question. Um, Cause yeah, I was just teaching this past weekend, um, uh, an intensive called back to basics where I was basically like planet science houses aspects, um, just like granular back to, you know, the, the root of the system, basically. Um, and my, my, the tradition I follow is the Hellenistic tradition. Um, and what you were saying before about like millennials, millennial astrologers, especially, um, feeling really tied to like the lineage aspect of it, but also I think it, what it is, is that freedom, the, the rerouting into the tradition gives us the freedom to, um, to not change it, but to innovate from it and to like also distill it in a way that or like strips it away, like strips the patriarchy, you know, the, like the shittiness <laughs> away from it. Um, and, and then also queers it up at the same time. And so I definitely, um, would credit the traditional revival for like how great, uh, millennial astrologers are right now. And I think part of that, like, you know, love for the tradition comes from that, that Saturnian, um, aspect of our generation. But yeah, I mean, for me, it's definitely Hellenistic astrology. Like I would say one of my greatest teachers is Chris Brennan, um, just through the astrology podcast. I, um, I've been following him for probably since like probably about seven, five, six or seven years at this point. It's, it's been a minute. I, I would say since around 2014, um, when he first started the podcast and I just always like, he was always sort of like a inspiration for me. Cause he was, he, he is so young, but even back then he was, you know, in his early twenties, um, and just seeing how much he was doing. And that was always really inspiring to me. Um, but yeah, I learned what, when, when traditional astrology came into my world, which was when I started listening to the astrology podcast, that's when things like really, um, changed for me. Cause I was desperately needing some sort of like, um, I just needed more of a system, you know, my chart mm-hmm. ruler is in Virgo. I like very much needed something um, to root into that wasn't just like, you know, psychological astrology is great, but without knowing the the root of the system, it's like, it just kind of seems kind of fluffy, you know? Um, and so yeah, learning traditional astrology, like changed everything for me. And just over the last five, six years has been developing, um, like a really solid understanding of, of the system and of the foundations of the system, which is what I'm teaching now. Um, so yeah, Chris Brennan, huge. And then Austin Coppock another great teacher of mine, Kelly Surtees. Um, I love all of them. I've, I've been blessed enough to have a reading from Kelly and from Austin. Um, and they're just so great. And then who else? I mean, Demetra George is another like 
very high up there for me. Yeah. Um, she's just so she's like the goat for me, you know, (laughs) astrology. Um, I call her like, yeah, she's like my astro queen, you know? Yeah. Just, she's just so, not only is she so smart and just like has been a scholar and, you know, helped with translation projects, like all of that, not only that, but she's like an incredible teacher too. Like, how do you also teach so well? Like, it's just blows our mind. Um, so she's amazing. Um, and who else? I mean, Jason Holly is another great teacher of mm-hmm. mine. Um, I just love his approach. Um, and then another, another teacher, uh, Charlie Obert, who I call these people, my teachers, I haven't really taken classes with many of them, but Charlie, uh, Charles Obert, Obert, um, is a traditional astrologer who I'm pretty sure ha- might have mercury and detriment as well, like me or something like that. Cause the way he, the way he teaches is so digestible and it's just, mm. it's like, yeah, I, I just love the way that he talks about, um, traditional astrology and he has a lot of really accessible resources, um, online too. <clears throat> so I would say, yeah, you know, I was, I was saying yesterday or saying earlier, I was teaching this weekend and I started out with the history of astrology kind of condensed when I taught, um, a longer course earlier this year, I went, I did like a whole lesson on the history and, um, it's just always so fascinating to me to like, look into the history of, of at least traditional Western, um, tropical astrology, because you, you really get to see like how, like, how do, how are we using the system right now that was developed? Like, 4,000 years ago and like ancient Mesopotamia. Um, and that went through so many different changes and merging and, um, you know, so much colonization happened and so many different translations and so much has been lost. Right. But like, we're still using it. And on top of that, it's really, I think, important for students and people who are learning astrology to see that like over the past 4,000 years, astrology has been super popular at times and like has uh-huh. fallen out of, you know, existence basically um, for like, you know, eight, 800 years, sometimes 200 years, sometimes. And so to be able to understand that and see where we are now on like the timeline of astrology, where we're in this, another super popular period for it. Important to remember that, like, it's not always going to be this way, but also, like, how fucking amazing is it that we're that we're practicing astrology during like another huge cultural high point of it, um, and that the type of people who are practicing astrology and who people are learning from look different, more different than ever before, basically, yeah. um, and it's more diverse than ever before. So, yeah, that's something I get really excited about, especially with my students, like you're learning astrology from a queer black girl. Like, you know, like this is where we started and look at where you are now. Um, so, so yeah, that's something I'd like to think about. And, and yeah, in terms of like, I would say my other teachers would just be like my friends and colleagues, you know, um, cause I learned so much from them and that's a huge reason why community is so important to me. Um, within the field is just because, and why I've tried to create community spaces because like I'm a much better person and astrologer because of the astrologer friends that I have, like 
period. And so mm-hmm. I, and I just know that there's so many people <laughs> craving more astrology friends and people that they can speak the language with. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that's, I try to create more spaces for, for those connections to happen. Cause it's just so important. Yeah. 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 I just finished taking um, Demetra's recent history of astrology or history of oh, Western nice. astrology class. Yeah. She taught, And it was, I mean, yes, she's the queen. She's so incredible. And she's so like a Leo Stellium too. So she's literally yeah, the queen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really appreciate what you said. Like I definitely had that thought a lot throughout the course that I was amazed at how this technology has continued to survive and like continued to find hospitable and enthusiastic um, practitioners and who will protect it and also who will continue to evolve it. And then the entire class, it was like one man after the next. And I was the entire time thinking like, where were the women? Because you know that they were there. Like, you know, that the wives of these men or their daughters, or I think at one point she did talk about, you know, some astrologer King who'd married, you know, had a prophecy that he would marry the daughter of an astrologer. But then I was like, but who was she? Because she, you know, she was coming from this lineage. Like, I know she was a magician, but she didn't get to tell the story. And, um, yeah, there's so much left out. It's like that language really developed around this masculinized and very European, very colonist kind of um, orientation. And like when I read your articles or when I tune in with some of the other young astrologers that I follow, like um, I learned about Bear River through your podcast and um, had never encountered them before. And like listening to them talk about the moon, I think they were on that episode Mm -hmm. with you. And I was like, holy shit, I fucking love this. Like, I love listening to this offering of like this kind of astrology, this kind of interpretation. And it's landing in me in a way that is so powerful and resonant. So, um, yeah. And, and I guess like thinking about going back to millennials and going back to you, <laughs> um, uh, you're a Saturn in Aquarius native and you've got Saturn in early Aquarius. Um, so you're going through your first Saturn return since the spring of 2020, since Saturn first entered. Mm-hmm. And I know you'd been uh, practicing astrology for a while before that. And so I imagine that you knew a lot about Saturn returns before you went through it, but (laughs) knowing things and experiencing things are two completely different beasts. And yeah, I'm wondering how this last year or two has been for you and what you're learning about the Saturn return and if anything has surprised you or has been different from what you expected. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, so I have been very aware (laughs) of the Saturn return. I would say like, not even preparing, but like, you know, being anxious about its arrival for <laughs> the past, you know, decade, basically, since I learned about astrology. Because um, astrology, at first, some, I tra- saw my chart for the first time, I believe Saturn was at one degree of Scorpio, my Saturn's at one degree mm-hmm. Aquarius. So it was literally my Saturn square. Um, 
And so, yeah, I've been pretty aware of it since then. (laughs) And, um, you know, I definitely had a lot of predictions around what would happen, but the one that I kind of landed with was, um, I had known I was going to move to LA. Um, I had already kind of made that decision and I just, you know, looked at my 12th house Saturn return or Saturn and knew the return was coming and thought, okay, I'm just going to be like really, really lonely, super isolated, like, you know, not knowing anyone. I could, I kind of just had a vision of myself, like in an apartment, um, really bored and and lonely. Oh, wow. (laughs) And that definitely (laughs) happened. I mean, I didn't know the pandemic was going to happen. Um, and that's why I was going to be like isolated, but, um, yeah, that, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm fine. Like I'm not like (laughs) super bored and lonely all the time, but, um, what I will say is, yeah, I, I had, I would say like a lot of, I had a lot of older friends. So I've watched people go through their Saturn return and help like kind of counsel them through with astrology through their Saturn returns. So I had, I pretty, I like knew how difficult it could be for, for people, you know, like I saw how much pain my friends were in during theirs. Um, but I also kind of was holding out hope for the fact that Saturn's the most dignified planet in my chart. I have like a really well-placed Saturn, um, traditionally speaking. So I kind of was like, okay, maybe it won't be so bad. You know, it's, um, I, I kind of was looking forward to it, like just growing up kind of, I've always been a very future oriented person. So I've been looking forward to 30, like my whole life. I really have. Um, I kind of feel like some spells are going to be broken when I turn 30 and astrologically that also, it speaks to that, like things, lots of shifts basically coming and happening around this time for me. Um, so yeah, part of me was like, you know, kind of excited for just like to get out of my twenties and grow up and mature and like, you know, have a backbone and, you know, learn boundaries, <laughs> like stuff like that. Um, I also kind of have this, have had a nagging suspicion that Saturn return will bring like, you know, love and partnership for me, which is something as a seventh house person, I deeply crave, you know, so that's still on the horizon, hopefully. But um, I guess in terms of like, what surprised me, um, the pressure, like, I didn't really... Mm-hmm. I I kind of knew my Saturn was my Saturn return would be a lot about community because it rules my 11th house. Um, and I literally started a community called the 11th house at the very beginning of my Saturn return, (laughs) but, um, it, the pressure part of it, I, I think that's what really like threw me for a loop was just like, kind of like feeling crushed by the weight of like responsibility. Um, and, and yeah, especially like working for myself and doing all these things for myself, um, or by myself, I should say. And then the like outside criticism and, you know, people saying shit and like that type of stuff, which makes sense. You know, it's my 12th house, mm-hmm. 11th house themes. Um, but that's, that's the stuff that has been really difficult for me it's just like the pressure the social pressure basically even if it's not like directly coming from one or two people it's like I you know it's a felt sort of thing um so yeah that's kind of been the more difficult part of it Mm, yeah that makes sense um 
I'm wondering if you've also been tracking your first Uranus trine, like they happen yeah. around the same time. And yeah. Um, yeah. One thing I think about like that gateway or transition is like Saturn's coming in and being like boundaries. Who are you? Where are you going? And Uranus is like, you're not going backwards, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and like, true. it's kind of helping you shed some of that old and yeah, and I know you've got, um, I know you use whole science. And so you have uh, Uranus transiting your third, which is another social placement. Like, yeah. are you, how are you feeling that kind of shift? Um, yeah, I know you've, I think you recently stepped down or from your position with Fresh Voices or that ended or something. Yeah, but- yeah, um, yeah, Uranus, the Uranus trend is cool because I have my chart ruler Jupiter and like a pretty much exact trying to Uranus natally. So transiting Uranus coming in, like fills out that, that grand trine, which is exciting for me. Um, I really, for the, the, I really look at the third house as skills a lot of the time. Like that's a big word for me for the third house is skills and technical skills. And so I had, um, I knew I was going to start a podcast during this transit. Um, I knew that like third house thing was going to come. And part of that was knowing that Chris Brennan started his podcast when Uranus was transiting his third house and hearing him talk about that. I was like, that's going to be me. You know, I'm going to do that. Um, But yeah, just like, I think in general, Uranus, the Uranus shrine has been really lovely. I'm like looking forward to this last pass coming up in a couple months especially because Jupiter will be in Pisces then. Um, But it's been cool in the sense that it's like giving me a lot of opportunities to, to try, to try new things and like, yeah. And ways that have been, I think like just supportive of like, of community building and a friendship building, I guess, like the podcast definitely has been that Um, in any sort of like, I don't know, just the, the third house busy work stuff (laughs) has Mm -hmm. uh, definitely like opened doors towards just more relationships and yeah, more, um, more connections with more people. And I kind of live for that. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. When you were saying that I was thinking like, oh yeah, I think, um, I started embodied astrology at the same time, like when I was in my Saturn return and the first Uranus trine. Oh, nice. Something I want to think about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, I guess my last question would be, um, no, I I know that this time has been, um, well, I've been following you a little bit over the last few months, and I know you've kind of taken some time to go inwards. um, And you were gracious enough to let me look at your chart. And one thing that I was noticing when I was looking at your chart was that transit Jupiter uh, was forming a minor trine with your Mercury midheaven and your moon. Um, And I was thinking like, I bet you mean the sextile. Yeah. Like that um, trine that you have with your, from your Aries moon to Mercury, then you get that sextile with Jupiter now. Okay. yeah, Yeah. 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 So that aspect pattern is getting set off and, um, I've heard you say, I mean, you said it in, in our conversation, but I've definitely heard you say in some of your other episodes that you do the most and, (laughs) and like, you definitely seem like a person that has a lot of ideas. And, um, 
I don't know how you feel this in your chart, but I was thinking about the mutual reception that you have with your Mercury and Jupiter and thinking like, that's so many ideas right there. And yeah. like this, the skills and the vision and the capacity to pull it off. And um, I was like, I bet Kira's having so many ideas right now with this Jupiter transit that are, you know, it's like all the future, not quite happening yet. Jupiter's in the 12th, but um, yeah, I was just wondering if you have any ideas that you're willing to share about what's coming up in the future for you or what you're envisioning for the next steps in your work? Yeah. Yeah. I do always have ideas and I'm always like, I call it future tripping. Like I'm always sort of in the future. I had some friends over last night and I was showing them behind me. I have like a list of like from 2021 to like 2035, maybe of like I just like go through my transits and my solar returns mm-hmm. and my perfections. And I'm like kind of writing down predictions for each year mm-hmm. in the future. <laughs> this is when I'm gonna have a baby. This is when I move to Europe, like all the things. <laughs> so yeah, I'm always in the future. Um, but in terms of what I have coming up, um, so yeah, you know, it, I have to always rem- remind myself, like I've only really been, I've been full-time for less than two years at this point. So it's still the, the company, the, like everything is still kind of in flux and, and I'm figuring it out as I go really. Um, so, but I do, I am planning on traveling next year. Like that's, I really want to teach in person. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, that will be, it'll be safe enough to do that next year, especially all over the world or especially, um, Europe, I should say. Um, but yeah, you know, I saw South node eclipses happening in my ninth house, North node eclipses happening in my third. I'm like, I need to be in person. I'm so sick of teaching online. Um, not that, I mean, I've been loving teaching, but I think it's time to get back in person. I, I don't want to do courses anymore. I don't really want to do long form things anymore. So that's kind of a big plan of mine is to, um, I'm hoping to like, you know, maybe host some retreats and just do like in-person workshops, both all over the country here. And also hopefully in Europe, I'm planning on spending too much in Europe next, next year to like fall in love with a, a place and see if I want to move there basically. Um, so there's that. And then the kind of bigger thing is, well, one thing I, I have, we're launching an app at the end of this week. So um, I'm working with a, a new app, Cusp. I'm the um, head astrologer. It's like a sex, love, dating, um, focus horoscope app. Um, And I hired like six different astrologers to write for it. I'm really excited about that. So that's, that's launching October 29th. Um, But outside of that, (laughs) I mean, I do do too much. Um, I, the 11th house is my um, membership community that is, really fun and awesome. And we meet, um, when new moons and form full moons for meetups. And we also have a discord and we have reading swaps and all these things, but we also have guest workshops every month. And so I, next year, early next year, I'm going to start, um, opening those up to the public and basically kind of like fresh voices where you can, you can just purchase a, you know, a ticket to come, um, one of our guest workshops, or you can go to 11th house and, and watch for free. Um, so yeah, I'm going to start doing more hosting more workshops and webinars, 
um, for other astrologers through the 11th house, hopefully start um, hosting some summits through, through the 11th house as well. Cause I want to keep doing that. Um, kind of, I, I stopped doing, we closed down fresh voices cause it, I've just, my capacity has just been like, you know, it's been way lower than ever before this year. I've had these South node eclipses in my 10th house and I've had to, um, I've had to like stop doing a lot of things like the magazine and supposed to write a book this year. I still haven't started that. (laughs) You know, there's so many things that I've had to like say no to or stop doing because I just don't have the capacity for it anymore. Um, And that's definitely Saturn return stuff. It's definitely South node eclipses in my 10th. Um, But yeah, I'm just excited to like get out about and start traveling again i think those third ninth house eclipses are like gonna get me out of town (laughs) hopefully Mm -hmm. i'm trying to do like you know i'm speaking at norwalk and Eastar next year so i'm trying to road trip up there up to up to seattle and out to denver and i just want to like get around basically so if anyone you know out there is listening and um you know you have like a some sort of some sort of space for me to host a workshop. Let me know. Cause, uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get out, get around next year. Thank you so much for coming on to embodied astrology. It's been a real pleasure to meet you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure too. It's yeah. It's been really great to talk. To learn more about Kira and her astrology offerings, check the show notes and please visit theastrology.com and follow Kira on Instagram at theastrology. You can also check out Kira's new app, the love-focused horoscope and compatibility cusp. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and networks. You can find more guest episodes at embodiedastrology.com in the listen section. Get free monthly horoscopes and stay tuned in with the earth, skies, and planets all through a somatic perspective by signing up for one of the Embodied Astrology membership tiers. Find more information at embodiedastrology.com forward slash join.